0: Hey friends, welcome to the Meaningful Conversations podcast, a new segment we have added to the A Woman Is platform. Here we focus on all things healing, strengthening, empowering, and normalizing mental health conversations. I'm your host, Crystal Thomas, the CEO and founder of A Woman Is. To learn more about the organization, visit the website at www.awomanis.org. Hey friends, hey. Welcome back to the Meaningful Conversations podcast. Today, we will be talking about domestic violence with Asia Rodriguez. Asia is a licensed psychotherapist in the state of Maryland, where she specializes in trauma and anxiety. Asia has worked in a variety of settings where she supports and advocates for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. She will be joining us today To have a meaningful conversation on domestic violence. So welcome, Asia. We are so happy to have you. Um, Thank you for joining us today for a meaningful conversation. Um, To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure.
1: So I am a psychotherapist licensed in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Um, I specialize in working with trauma, um, but specifically domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. Um, but I also work a lot with a lot of other traumas and a lot of anxiety type of stuff too. Um, I have a private practice that's based in Silver Spring, Maryland and most of our clients we focus on working with uh, people who are women of color who have never been to therapy before and are experiencing therapy for the first time. Um, It's a lot of like normalizing some of this experience and process in while also starting the healing journey.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, So as you know we are also based in Maryland Um, We are currently um, servicing DC and Virginia as well as helping um, specifically women of color who struggles from trauma. Um, So that is awesome. What made you get into the therapy industry?
1: Um, so it started like in second grade, I was career day and a psychologist came to our school and was talking about what they do for a living. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. You get to make money to like talk to people. I'm good at talking to people about their problems. <laughs> but then as I like evolved and grew into a, an adult, I really realized like, actually, this is something I really like. and um, really want to pursue. I grew up in a household and in, in a family that is really big on like helping others. In a lot of different ways and living like purpose awesome. doing purpose driven work so it kind of just all came into play of like I can do this as a career um, and really like feel like I have a meaningful like day-to-day life so I think that's what started it and then it just kept it going from there
0: <laughs> right awesome that sounds amazing so um, like I said we do help women who suffer from trauma a lot of that trauma being domestic violence Um, can you tell us what domestic violence means to you? What comes to mind when you think of it? Yeah. And so for me,
1: domestic violence means more about like the, a partner wanting to have a sense of control over their partner. Um, And so a lot of times people think it's just like the physical things and or they think about Mm -hmm. some of the more extreme instances of domestic violence, but oftentimes just some of those more subtle things that are just that person's efforts to maintain control um, and power over that person. So it can be emotional, it can be, uh, psychological, financial, it can be a lot of different ways and sometimes never include the physical. Um, so that's what I think of as like, more selective power and control.
0: Yes. Um, and like you said, a lot of people think that domestic violence is just a physical altercation mm-hmm. when it happens in so many forms. And Mm -hmm. sometimes women are not really aware that it's happening because they think, oh, if he's not physically beating me or hurting me, then it's Mm -hmm. not domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely true. Um, you did state that domestic violence can be non-physical, um, what non-physical examples could you provide to us?
1: Yeah, so I have lots of examples I could provide. I think I'll start with some of the, some of the ones that um, a lot of people might be able to identify a little bit easier. So some of the like emotional and psychological abuse. So putting you down constantly or making you feel like you, you know, making you doubt yourself and your decision-making mm-hmm. skills and abilities. Um, if you have children, they might make you feel like you're not being a good parent or anytime you make a decision for yourself, they make you feel like you're, you know, you're not being a good parent or a good partner or whatever right. else, um, maybe calling names, things like that. Um, also thinking about like minimizing your concerns. And so if you do express yourself and say something, they might minimize whatever role they played in that mm-hmm. and not really take accountability for it, or just kind of blame, put the blame back on you um, and say, Well, I wouldn't have done this if you would have done this and that right. type of thing. So I think some of the, those are some of the more common examples that we see. But I also think about like financial abuse too. And so if you think about a household where maybe the um maybe only one person in the household works um, that they, you know, let's say that you try to get a job and they try to prevent you from working or try to give you an allowance or something that's not realistic and not something that you can Mm -hmm. really like survive with um, or just trying to prevent you from getting a job or keeping a job. Um, Mm -hmm. So you might get a job, but they might show up there or call you so much or get you into trouble so that you end up not being able to keep that anyway, so that they can maintain that you are relying on me and I make the decisions.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. Um, so with domestic violence, are there any warning signs that, pe- that women should be aware of?
1: Yeah. So I think there are, there are a few warning signs that come to mind for me. I think the first one is if you notice that your partner is wanting you to isolate from your the rest of your social support system. So let's say that you used to be really close to your family or you used to have a really good like social circle, but you notice that every time you want to talk to them or you uh, want to hang with them or anything else, your partner is kind of trying to prevent you from doing so, maybe mm-hmm. telling you like they shouldn't be in your ear, you shouldn't be hanging with them, they're not good people, whatever else. Uh, and like generally just trying to like isolate you from the other support systems you have in your life um, and with that kind of goes also into like um, jealousy so they may get jealous yes. or question things that you're doing and kind of um, really want to be in want to know every single thing that's happening in the moment um, and then also that if you notice that they're calling you names or um, like kind of insult to you especially in front mm-hmm. of other people um, one thing that a lot of people don't realize but is a, a really big thing a really big indicator is if they're Harmful to pets or threatening to harm pets, um, mm. because pets are such a you know everyone has a very strong bond with their pets. Yeah. I don't have pets, but I know if I had one, <laughs> like I have, I have a, a strong
0: one. bond.
1: Yeah, and that you know if someone said, "Oh, I'm going to hurt this dog, or I'm going to kill your dog, or whatever else," like that, that will make anyone kind of switch up. as so, mm. if you're trying to stay yeah. firm and and you know whatever boundary you're trying to set, and they follow up with threats to harm you, the children, pets, things like that, that's usually an indicator as well
0: right. So um, I experienced domestic violence um, some years ago, which led me to start this nonprofit for other women who were dealing with the exact same thing. Um, and a lot of times with my my situation, it was the controlling of what you wear, or trying to keep me, you know, separated from my mom, my friends, my family, Um, the isolation so I definitely can relate to that um Mm -hmm. a lot of times we think that oh it's just a form of love that they're just showing us that they love us when really it is a sense of control Mm -hmm. um so we definitely want to be mindful of that yeah um can do you believe that abusers can change um
1: you know, that's a tricky question. I I would say yes, but I would say that not all abusers change. And I would say, and part of the reason why I say yes, I used to facilitate abuser intervention programs, which are pretty much programs where someone is charged with a domestic violence charge. The courts may like refer them to an abuser intervention program. Um, And within that, sometimes people, there are people that come to those programs and never realize that some of the things they were doing were harmful to their partners. And they're Mm -hmm. able to modify and change some of those behaviors. Uh, Because I've seen some people come in with a like, whoa, I didn't realize all, I didn't even realize emotional abuse was a thing. And, you know, they started off resistant because they're thinking, like, I don't hit my wife, I don't do, I don't ever punch Mm -hmm. her in the face, Mm -hmm. never do any of these things. But when they, are open to the idea that I can take accountability for my actions and that maybe I do need some support. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when I find that it can have the best results, but I won't say that every person leaves those types of programs re- rehabilitated or like going never going to harm, cause harm to their partners again. So I would say it's not impossible to like, have for, for an abuser to change, but it requires that there's nothing that anyone else can do for that, for that person to change. They have to want to change for themselves.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: and, and the hard part about that is that part of domestic violence is like to not taking accountability for your actions and so mm-hmm. if you're not taking accountability for your actions you're definitely not going to feel like you need to change your behaviors that you need
0: exactly. To so exactly
1: that's the caveat in there is <laughs> if they have some accountability then yes there's potential for them to be able to change those behaviors
0: um and I know that you said you did work with some people that you know were involved in domestic violence um situations did you find that these people were were coming from um, backgrounds where they were abused or some form of trauma that caused them to act this way. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that like one of the unfortunate realities is that domestic violence and a lot of the aspects of domestic violence are common within a lot of different communities and so Mm -hmm. we grow up seeing these things being modeled to us and that's why for one a lot of people stay within these relationships because they're like this is normal this is just he's just having a bad day or whatever else and just Mm -hmm. kind of think that that's what it's like that's how things are because everyone else around them within their families or communities have experienced similar things and so like they you know when that's being modeled to you um and they and and especially if you don't have any other like healthy relationships to go off of um, a mm-hmm. lot of times that is what causes that's what my mom and my dad did and that's what my mom and her boyfriend did and right. that's how things were for generations and generations and plus all my friends and everyone else in my community experienced the same thing so though sometimes we may recognize that some things just aren't right a lot of the stuff just kind of gets like it's just normalized in a lot of communities
0: Exactly. So do you think with that that's why most abusers return back? I mean sorry, most um victims return back to their abusers? Um, I think that's
1: that's one potential reason. I think they're I think the reality, I think the statistic is like you leave a relationship seven times before you finally leave the relationship when you're in an abusive relationship. But I think that, you know, there's also this reality that if someone is dependent on someone for dependent on their partner for some something, whether it be financially or Mm -hmm. be just emotional support or whatever else, it can be hard to just get up and go and start over. And so um, a lot of people don't realize that like, especially if that person was the provider in, in whatever way that if I leave this situation, I won't have anywhere to live. I won't have Mm -hmm, any money. mm -hmm. How am I going to feed myself and my children, whatever else. But there's also this reality too, that a lot of abusive relationships didn't start off abusive and so the person is holding on to what they what they know and loved about that Mm -hmm. person and and this person may have a lot of great things about them but they also are abusive and it's hard to let go of that when you have a bond and attachment to someone Um, especially Mm -hmm. when there are a lot of good days it's a lot harder (laughs) to like remove yourself from that because you are like I love this person I care about right And exactly. especially if I am dependent on them in some way for something.
0: Exactly. Some it's hard to separate the two. Yeah. I completely understand. Um, so, how can we make it so that we support our victims more and um, making their own decisions about how to address abusers? Because I know with me, a lot of people were like, just leave. You know, they made it seem like it was so easy. And really, it's not that easy, it's more mm-hmm. complex than what it is. So How as the support system, can we help um, the victims in these type of situations? Yeah.
1: And what I would say too, I would preface it by saying that like support systems are, are often uh, secondary victims in this because they usually mm-hmm. are the ones that have to like see and witness things exactly. and witness their loved one, the person they really care about being hurt or harmed in some way. And so mm-hmm. that impacts them too. Um, and so it's hard to then be the support system for someone and, and allow them the autonomy to make their own decisions when you see all of this harm that's being caused exactly. and it's hurting you and everyone else around you too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's challenging sometimes to be that support. but what i would say is i think sometimes shifting from the like advice giving space to just more so like open-ended question space of like Mm -hmm. what do you feel like you want right now what and how like what kind of support do you feel like you need to make the decisions about what might need to happen next Um, And i think that allows the the victim to really have some some say in that and 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 not just be everyone's telling me what to do and that's not what i want Mm-hmm. um I think the other thing too is for um support systems and people just in general to be aware of like what the signs of abuse might be um and and so that if they do have those concerns it's not it's not being pointed out once it gets to the very worst thing or the physical exactly. abuse thing, whatever else that if exactly. they notice some of those things it's okay to express that concern but not expressing it in the sense of oh he's abusive and you need to leave him um or just mm-hmm. more so like I noticed some of these things what do you think about that and just seeing how that person feels about it
0: Yes. So, like, would you agree that when um, support systems push the victims to leave, that it maybe, you know, more makes the victim more willing to stay when? the support system is constantly saying hey leave leave leave
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think sometimes that can really be the
1: case in that like mm-hmm. like you said it kind of just pushes them into pushes them closer into that person's arms exactly. because that person is not forcing that on them and, and forcing mm-hmm. them to make that kind of heavy decision but then also like I think in general sometimes we just when people in our lives are telling us to do something we're like no I don't mm-hmm. want to do this and exactly. I'm not do it. Um, <laughs> but I also think that sometimes it is like again we within these these relationships we're getting something out of it and so it's not Mm -hmm. like everything is terrible within within this relationship so it is easier so when when everyone's in your ear saying you need to do something that you don't want to do and then this person who can be loving and can be caring and everything else in some instances it is Mm -hmm. easier to go back to that person and and then easier to kind of like minimizing you for yourself the things that the big the the challenging behaviors that may be happening and just kind of like well and all of this and all the stress <laughs> he's showing up in for me. Exactly. And my, I'm getting my emotional needs met by this person. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I can stay with them. I can look past some of the other things that they can work on or whatever else. And you kind of create your own narrative for like managing and getting through this moment. And really, because you're in survival mode of, I have to exactly. make a decision. I am going to do what feels safe right now. This feels safe because right now he's not causing harm.
0: Exactly. And if I leave, it could be a worse situation. Mm-hmm, exactly. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um so what um for the final question like what are some resources that can be offered to victims to get help if they are ready to seek that help?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing to start with would probably be calling a domestic violence hotline in your area. Um, there's a national one, but usually if you call the national one, they're probably going to connect you to the local one, too. Um, and I, and I, I've only really worked in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, but I believe every state has a, um, every state has county-specific or city-specific domestic violence programs. Okay. Um, because there's federal funding and stuff in, into the, going into those programs. And so mm-hmm. like if you call a local one, um, every program has different resources available, but if nothing else, you can talk to someone about whatever is going on. Um, you can They'll safety plan with you. So if you do decide that I'm ready to leave, but I don't know what to do next, they can help you with understanding like, what, like how can we safely do this and what will be the next steps. If you feel okay. like maybe I need to file a protective order against this person, they can help you with understanding how to do that. Um, and a lot of the uh, different domestic violence programs will have a lot of other programs within that to say, do you need to come here for instance, like, do, mm-hmm. like there's um, shelters, sometimes they'll put you in a housing program, like literally whatever you might need um, okay. to, to maintain safety. So I think the first starting point is to call those numbers because they'll tell you, okay, hey, maybe you need to try this thing or just give you that like in the moment support when you don't know what to do next.
0: Right, which is always helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's all of the questions that I had for you today. Um, it was a pleasure speaking with you. I'm not going to hold you too long because it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. This was um, a real meaningful conversation. So can you please share with us how we can connect with you and keep up with you um, along the way?
1: Yeah. And so you can visit my website. It's ZolaCounselingDMV.com uh, or you can go on Instagram at zola.counselingdc. Um, but on our Instagram, we post all the updates and all that good stuff, but um, if you wanted to book an appointment or something like that, then you can go on the website, and that's where you'll learn more about our availability, it's a couple of clinicians that work for us, so um, be able to, and all of us specialize in working with trauma, so if someone's interested in an appointment, that's where you can start.
0: Yes, we definitely um, would like to talk with you more, and possibly connect with you more, and um, working with us, and us referring some of our people to you to help with their trauma, Um, so again thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today on the meaningful conversations podcast thank you so much for having me yes it's been great yeah thank you have a good one okay friends that concludes today's episode of meaningful conversations until next time always remember that love shouldn't hurt